Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. My name is Mark Harris. I am the Enterprise Doctor. I deliver effective help for businesses. And my guest today is Ali Lewin. And Ali runs a company called Act On It. And I just think that's a brilliant name. It tells me really nothing about what the company does. So first of all, Ali, welcome to the show. Lovely to have you here. Thank you, Mark. Lovely to be here with you. Cool, cool. And second of all, tell me, act on it. What, what is that and how did you come up with that name? Well, I love the name too. And it was really born from being a personal development coach, but also having gone to drama school and combining the techniques I use through drama and personal development coaching and mentoring and thinking about how people tend to deal with issues in their life and that is to dwell on it. So I thought, well, what would the opposite of that to be? And it would be to act on it. And, and that's what I advocate right throughout my business is don't dwell on any problem that you've got or any issue that you've got in your life. Take control and act on it. And, and that's really where it was born from. And I suppose it was because I was thinking, should I open a business? Should I not run the business? What should I do? I know I should just act on it. <laughs> yeah, love it. I am not going to do down in any way what you just said, but I have a personal dislike of the phrase, just do it because no, don't just do it. Think about it, work out the best way to do it, work out whether or not it's a good idea. But then there comes a point, okay, now that you know the risks, you know what it'll cost you in, in time and money, then just do it. But I, So I, I really like the, the act on it philosophy, if you like, is, yeah, you know, just, just do it. Would you agree that that simply act on it is not the right thing? You do need, and you said you, know, you used the word dwell almost as a negative thing, and I'm suggesting that thinking things through is a good thing. Are we disagreeing here, or are we actually agreeing, but just using different words? No, Mark, we're, we're fundamentally disagreeing, and that's oh. really good because. Okay. <laughs> right. I well, love that's, it. it's been lovely having you on the show. Bye. <laughs> If, if a lot of people come to me because they want to step outside of their comfort zone and that's what they want to do, but they're dwelling on the fact. And that, the reason I use that in the negative connotation is because they never take action. They dwell on the problem. The problem stays with them and they never live the life they really want to live. Okay. So by acting on it is the first step then we will go through all of those steps that you mentioned, which are really, really valid. So okay. kind of looking at your pros and cons, looking at how much it's going to cost, if anything, how much, how much an investment is it in your own life? That's where the action comes in. But your fundamental first step is to take action. And I am going to accept that. And I'm going to disagree with you because I don't think we are disagreeing. We're saying the same thing. In different ways. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think in many respects, when I'm talking to businesses that don't yet exist, people who want to start a business, just do it is absolutely the worst advice in terms of starting the business, but just do it or act on it in terms of pick up the phone to me and say, Mark, I'm thinking of starting a business. 
pick up the phone to you and say, I'm thinking of starting a business, but my head isn't in the right place yet. And that aspect of just do it, we are in complete agreement. And I, I said there to, to pick up the phone to you and say, my head's not in the right place yet. I know a marketing tagline of yours, some, some words that I've seen on a banner is stop feeling powerless, start feeling brave. And I think those are really powerful words. How did you come up with that? And how, to what extent does that sum up what you're doing? Well, I really love those words as well, Mark. And the reason I came up with those particular words is because that's what I most often hear when people contact me. I feel powerless to do to change my life, to do what I really want to do. I feel powerless in decision-making. I feel powerless in moving forward. And that's quite often, that's why people contact me in the first place. And being brave is, is all about acting on it, I suppose. And it's, um, you know, be brave with your life. And, and, and I'm there to support you through that. It's not that you have to go it alone be brave, take baby steps. You can do this. So stop feeling powerless, start Mm. feeling brave, and then your journey will begin. A lot of that is around confidence, self-confidence, self-belief. And again, looking at your LinkedIn profile, which we'll share so that listeners can have a look as well, and, and clearly a link to your website. But confidence coaching is a phrase that crops up. There are lots of things that I'm not good at, and I live in awe of people who are good at those things. How can you possibly do that? But the things that I am good at, for me, well, I'm good at it because it's easy. But I understand and accept it's, it's easy for me and other people say, how, how can you do that? Because I know I'm good at some things, quite a short list, but hey, I'm, I'm confident about those things. I don't have to struggle to get the confidence. But when you're talking about people doing something new and different, they can't yet have the confidence to do that. And somebody once said to me, how do you get confidence? And my answer was, you be confident, which is clearly a little bit simplistic. So I'm guessing you have a longer answer to that. Somebody says to you, I want to do this, but I don't have the confidence. I'm generally not a confident person. How, first, what is it that they come to you with? What kind of issue? And is it business, personal, or both? How do you do other than giving them a slap and saying, be confident, which I'm guessing <laughs> is not your technique? Um, no, probably, I definitely yeah. wouldn't slap anybody, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Only so, if they didn't pay the bill at the end. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, yeah, clearly. What type of person is coming to you and, and how do you deal with them? So I have people from all walks of life coming to me. I have business owners coming to me. I have individuals coming to me. I have teenagers coming to me. So in terms of their confidence, everybody's comfort zone is a different size. And lots of people have dreams and aspirations. And a lot of people get to a certain point in their life and realize that they haven't fulfilled any of those dreams and aspirations. And then because of their circumstance in life, that's when they start to feel powerless or stuck. And that is the general thing that people come to me for. I feel stuck in my life. 
How we give them the confidence to do that is I use various techniques and, and, and quite a lot of it is listening to their subconscious mind and the, the internal dialogue that they have with themselves. And I, I ask them to talk about how they talk to themselves and we listen for all that negativity. Okay. So we start with the negativity and we, we reprogram their brain, if you like, to be positive self-talk. That helps give people confidence and it also helps with the empowerment and the self-belief. The types of people that come to me, I'm career coaching at the moment, which is really lovely um, because people have got excited about the next stage of their life. Maybe they want to go for a promotion. Maybe want to, they want a complete change of tack. I've coached several young adults who are thinking about applying to university or applying to drama school. So I've coached them through that. Okay. And then I've got individuals who just really want to live that dream to what extent are you judgmental i i okay so a recent guest of mine on the podcast was a lady by the name of tanya says and she's a career coach and we talked about i talked about a monty python sketch where an accountant wants to be a lion tamer and actually that's not very realistic so somebody comes to you that they're 53 and they want to be an astronaut it's not going to happen is part of your job in effect being judgmental or or helping them understand the real world or do you just try and help them do what they want to do regardless absolutely no judgmental aspects in my job at all absolutely not if a client comes to me and tells me they want to be something, then we explore the whys, hows, and wherefores. It will be the client's own judgment whether or not that's a reality. Certainly never for me to tell them that something is never going to happen in their life. Who am I to know? Why yeah. couldn't a 53-year-old be an astronaut? Why couldn't they? I never judge. The client's world is something that I enter into wholeheartedly. It's for the client to totally make their own decision of whether things are reality. And sometimes people do get to that reality, which can be quite disappointing for them. Mm-hmm. But then we start again and we look at what else excites them and interests yeah. them and we keep going. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, if you want to be a national and you're 53, it's not going to happen. You know, they have age issues and hey, such is the way of the world. But I like that you allow them to reach that conclusion rather than you just telling them, which is perhaps the difference between you and me. I would just say, it's not going to happen, mate, <laughs> which is why I'm not a confidence coach, perhaps. But like you, I would then say, so what is it that you liked about that? And what can you do that might give you all those same positive feelings? If somebody in the business world comes to you with something which is a phrase with which I am sure you are familiar, which is imposter syndrome. Lots of people have it either in the professional world or in the personal world. And it can be about any role as a business owner, a business manager, as a mum, as a whatever. And imposter syndrome, in case people don't know, is when you're fulfilling a role, but actually you don't believe you have the right to do so. You don't believe you have the skills, the authority, the gravitas, whatever it may be. For me, there's two possibilities. One is 
they're right <laughs> and they, <laughs> they really shouldn't be doing that thing. But if we discount that possibility for a moment, what it comes back to is confidence. It's believing in themselves. So I'm guessing that, and I don't want to presume, so I'll, you know, but I am guessing that a number of people who come to you, imposter syndrome is actually the issue that they haven't got confidence because they don't believe in themselves. Whereas actually, they should be believing in themselves because they are good. They're not an imposter. That's absolutely true, Mark. And during lockdown, I've actually delivered a webinar called Dealing with Imposter Syndrome. Oh, I'm so pleased. At, I didn't know. And I'm so pleased I raised it. Okay. To, to at least six or seven different outlets. So diff, six or seven different companies and groups of people. So it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm really pleased that you raised that. And yes, and this is where we will dig deep. And I will get people to understand their own skill set and will get them to recount experiences that they've had with that skill set. So that self-belief and that self-confidence starts to grow. So that builds up their self-esteem. And we can beat imposter syndrome. And do you know what? I, I really don't like that term, Mark, because it kind of implies that it's a disease that you have to live with. And it isn't, it's not a condition, it's a mindset and that can be changed. Yes. One of my favourite things to do is to change people's mindset, especially if imposter syndrome is, is the issue. And especially if in business, when I'm working with clients, if I know they're good at what they do, I can, I'm, I won't name names, but I'm thinking of a particular client where, you know, it was just clear to me that they're very good at what they do. And I looked at their LinkedIn profile and the LinkedIn profile had recommendations from a dozen, 15 clients, which doesn't sound like a lot, but actually persuading clients to bother to do a recommendation is a chore. Any of my clients listening, feel free to say nice things about me. And I said, are all of these people lying? Because they're telling you that you're good. What is it that has to happen for you to start believing them? And I'm not psychologist i'm not trained in that kind of work but it, it does frequently crop up in, in the nuts and bolts of the business mentoring and coaching that i do sometimes this this kind of thing happens is it valid for me to do that or is that really a crap technique no and it's really interesting what you said what has to happen i can tell you what has to happen it's that internal dialogue again. It's that good cop, bad cop that's on your shoulder. Some people say they've got a chimp or an imp or a monkey on their shoulder or that voice. That It's that internal voice that keeps telling them, you're not good enough, you can't do this. That's where my work comes in, Mark. And, and part of the, the master practitioner work that I do in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, yeah. is retraining that internal dialogue, reprogramming that di dialogue so that it's positive. Sometimes all of us have heard that voice in our head, oh gosh, I'm not really sure you can do this. And then maybe another voice has come up and said, yes, you can. And it's that fight of who's the strongest. Yeah, yeah. So we work on that. And so we, what we do is we quieten that voice that says you can't. Mm-hmm. And we make louder that voice that says, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's, 
that starts to build. To, to what extent do you think it's a gender thing? Uh, are women more likely to question themselves, less likely to have that confidence, more likely to amplify the voice saying, you can't do it? The last studies that I read up about were actually from the 1970s when this term imposter syndrome was really first brought to the fore. And American studies showed that 85% of people in the workplace Mm -hmm. suffered from this imposter syndrome, if that's what we're going to call it. Out of the 85%, a good... 70% were women. Yeah. And I think that had a lot to do with the kind of times that we were. If we think about, if I think about my career journey in the 1980s, there was definitely a glass ceiling in most of the companies that I worked in. Yeah. And I feel that the, the possibilities and the challenges that women face in the workplace are very different now. Mm-hmm. to the way they were and I, and I would hope that equality is getting better but men suffer these voices as much as women but yes historically it's mostly been women in the mm. workplace and I think since the 70s I'm delighted to say a lot has changed and there I'm just digging myself a hole here but I'll say what I'm thinking there is a lot more equality than there was. Let's, let's phrase it that way. There are clearly still issues, but there's a lot more equality than there was. What I have heard said, and I'd be interested in your view, is if there's a job advert, men will look at it, and clearly we're generalizing, men will look at it and say, I can do 80% of that, I'll apply. And women look at it and say, I can't do 20% of it, I won't bother applying. I've not really come across that in all honesty. I would fall into probably the men category in that one. Yeah, but that's because you're hugely confident. That's because (laughs) I'm... Justifiably so. And I've... Do you know, I've never really come across that, Mark. So I I couldn't comment on that. And I've I've never had a female come to me with that kind of scenario. Okay. So wouldn't... I I don't know if those statistics are true. I I couldn't comment on that. In my experience, yes, but then my experience is limited and anecdotal. I'll be, if, if listeners have a view, then um, please do join the Enterprise Doctor Business Show Facebook group and tell us what you think. That would be interesting. Something I want to touch on before we say goodbye, because the time has just whizzed by, is something called DISC Profiling, D-I-S-C. And that's a, a way, one of a number of different ways of, I'm going to say it and then you can tell me all the different ways I'm wrong, but of understanding the mind and the personality of the person who you're profiling. So firstly, it, I don't even know why I bothered. Why don't I just say to you, so what is disc profiling? And more importantly, I think, how does it help you to help your clients? Well, Mark, you're right. And it is digging deep into somebody's personality. So most people are familiar with Myers-Briggs. Yes. So this is another type of personality profiling. And the way it really helps is if I'm taken into a company because they have a team that isn't functioning, through disc profiling, we can look at the different personalities within that team. 
Okay. And quite often you find that the wrong person is in the wrong aspect of the job of the project that's meant to be happening. So we okay. can realign the job if you if you like so we can say well you know you've got tony doing this but actually jim is the the strongest on that area and 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 tony's really uncomfortable doing this but jim really wants to do it and it's you know as a leader of a team or a project manager if you don't get that aspect of it right, it can be very detrimental to the project, the morale of the team. So it's about disc profiling and getting the team to function as yeah. a cohesive yeah. group. And that can be really, really helpful and powerful. Yeah. For an individual, some people really don't know themselves. So yeah. disc profiling is a really good way for me to show them who they are. And that yes. really works and it's really powerful. I do agree. And I'm delighted to say that because there was a time when I was hugely skeptical of such things. And I've now been subjected to personality profile testing. I think I'm pretty sure I've done DISC. I've certainly done Myers-Briggs. And there was one in particular, I went for a job somewhere years ago where they did personality profiling as part of it. And they said they would share the results. The questions were ridiculous. And while I'm answering the questions, I'm thinking, how can this possibly be of any help to them? But, you know, I'll go through the process. I'll, I'll tick the boxes. And at the end, they showed me their description of me. And it was just me to a T. Stuff that I wouldn't have shared out loud, but it was they were saying, you're like this, you behave in this way you react in this way to this kind of manager. And as a manager, you treat, it was just bang. How do they do that? How do they do well, that? Well, it's because it's, it, DISC is 98% accurate. And that's because it's you answering the questions. And DISC is timed. So you have seven minutes to answer. And mm. that's so that you don't have time to rationalize. So your subconscious is where all your memories are stored. So when you're asked a question and you've got, say, 10 seconds to answer, the yeah. first thought is often the truth. Yeah. So you will yeah. answer it as truthfully as possible, and that's why it's scarily accurate. And when people are faced with that, it's either a real shock to them or it's an absolute delight. Yeah. But the, yeah. best, the best thing is it's a way forward. So in, this, in terms of kind of confidence and inner belief, Yeah. If I can show somebody all their qualities on paper that they've answered, I'm not telling them that this, mm. these are their qualities. They've answered the questions and they've come out in black and white. Yeah. Then that helps with that self-belief and inner confidence. And it really is a great tool to help people grow. I love it. I love it. Last question, I think. If there was a business person, solopreneur, maybe, maybe somebody with two to five employees, that kind of scale, who knocked on your door and said, I need your help. And you found out a little more about them and you're thinking to yourself, this is my perfect client. What do they look like? What, not what do they look like, but what, what sort of person is that that you really believe you can help? And they're going to pay you some money. It's your job. You know, that's, that's the way the world works. But they are at the end of it and are going to consider that money such a good investment and they've got such a good return on investment because they're just perfect for you. 
So what, what does that person look like? The ideal client has a goal. If the client doesn't have a goal, then we will find the goal because there usually is one and they don't recognize it. So in terms of that solopreneur, maybe they want to grow their business and they don't know how. So that would be their stuck position. Maybe that solopreneur wants to hire somebody and doesn't know how to go about the process. And maybe that's where DISC can help them. Maybe they've kind of had their fingers burned by hiring the wrong person. Maybe they don't trust their gut instinct. So that would be a way in that I can help them. If it was in terms of marketing their business, then we would go through processes to help them with that. And, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I do have access to lots and lots of really good coaches out there who are specific in business. So if it's anything I can't do, then, of course, you know, Mark... You're, you're a great contact and I can send them on to you. I can take them to the point of where they know exactly what their goals are and how we can work towards them. So the ideal client for me really is anybody who feels stuck, feels a little powerless. Maybe they feel like they're swimming through treacle yeah. Yeah. and they don't, know, they don't know how to get to the other side. That's my ideal client because what we can do is we can drain away the treacle, clear the fog, whatever analogy you want to use, <laughs> yeah. and let them gain clarity. Yeah, that sounds great. I really hope that there are lots of people listening. No, I don't. I really hope that there are some people listening who recognize themselves there, who think to themselves, you know what, I should really be talking to Ali. And I think it for your sake, because that would be nice if you pick up a few clients, I think it for their sake, because if you can help them, then clearly that's of benefit to them as well. So you never know. All of Ali's contact details are available in the podcast notes. If you do want to get in touch with her, just to tell her you enjoyed listening to her or maybe to talk to her about potentially how she can help you, then please do that. Ali, it's been a real pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed listening to you. I've enjoyed not arguing with you, debating with you on some points. I hope it's not been, I've not been too harsh on you. Not at all, Mark. You're nothing I can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I think that's a great place on which to end. I've been talking to Ali Lewin of Act On It. I am Mark Harris of Enterprise Doctor and all of my contact details are also in the podcast notes. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show on your podcast app, then please do in that way. You will hear lots more from me and a wide range of guests. But for now, this is Mark Harris signing off. <laughs> <laughs>